We're going to have a look at an amazing passage today, Pentecost Sunday. I'm really excited to be preaching on this subject. Um, I, I just before we launch into the passage, uh, I want to tell you a little bit about how life was for me 10 years ago. When I arrived here, uh, uh, things were a little bit different for me. Um, and the, the analogy I would use was sort of popped into my head this week as I've had an incredibly busy week. We're, we're moving in a week's time, loads of stuff to do. We're phoning removals companies. We're trying to tie up things here, prepare for uh, a new life. Wednesday was the most busy day that I had all week, and I knew that it was going to be busy. So um, the night before, as I always do, I, I put my phone on for charge, and uh, in the morning I, uh, I got up and uh, grabbed all my stuff, grabbed my phone with this super busy day, and I pressed the home button, and this image came up on the screen. It's like, of all the days, why does it have to be today that I've got no battery power and I had no time to charge it? And, and that image is what I kind of felt like when I arrived here. 10 years ago. I had a really tough few years. My I'd breakdown of a relationship I was in, I thought might go the full distance. Uh, it was very painful. I was, um, my father had dementia and uh, he had it for eight years and it was really, really difficult for our family. And I arrived here with my spiritual batteries, if I'm honest, really, really low. And yet what I found in this place in the last 10 years is a community of people who will gather around and pray and ask the Holy Spirit to recharge you. And God is in the business of recharging spiritual batteries. That's what he does in this place. That's what he's going to do right now, today. So wherever you're at, let's look at this passage of Pentecost and work out how we can do that. So if you want to grab a Bible, we're going to look at Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd gathered in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these people speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Rome, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they've had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. And on to verse 37. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, Repent. Repent. 
and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord will call. What an exciting passage. How do we get our spiritual batteries recharged? Well, the first point from this passage is you've got to get plugged in. You've got to get plugged in. There's no point in having a phone that's not charged. The first thing you need to do is you need to get a charger and you need to plug it in. And the same is true of us spiritually. You've got to get plugged in. Christianity is not a solo activity. It's not a sport that we do on our own. It is something that we do together. And that's why I love the church. It's what we see in the beginning of Acts. It says, verse 1, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. It's quite easy to skip past that bit. But actually, this is really significant. They were all together in one place. They didn't have to be. After all, most of them were Galileans. They lived in Galilee. They lived in the countryside. They'd come up to Jerusalem a couple of months before and hung out with Jesus, didn't know that he was going to die and rise again. And then Jesus ascended to heaven. And most of them, you know, probably thought, well, that's it. Party's over. We've had an amazing time. Off we go back to Galilee. You know, I've been living out of a suitcase for the last couple of months. I'm going to go home, put a wash on, put my feet up. But they didn't. 120 of them stayed in Jerusalem in the upper room. They rented a room. 120 of them were living there. Can you imagine the smell? I mean, it was, it was full on. But they decided to stay there. Why? Because Jesus had said something really interesting to them before he ascended. He said this, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father has promised, and you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So they didn't. They stayed. They stayed and they prayed. They prayed and they stayed. They stayed and they prayed. And as they did that, the Holy Spirit was poured out. I think there's an important point here. The experience of the Holy Spirit is not about just you. It is something that we experience together as we gather together. And that's why being here is so good. Well done for making it here. You could have been doing all sorts of other things with your life today, but you're here. And as you're here, the Holy Spirit will be poured out. As we gather together, there is a powerful dynamic there. Now, obviously, you can pray on your own. You can be filled with the Spirit on your own. I try and pray that every single day myself. But there's something different about when we gather together. Because Jesus said, where two or three are gathered, i.e. not one, but more than that, there I am in the midst When you turned up today, Jesus was here. Jesus is here right now by his Holy Spirit. And there's so many reasons not to get plugged in, aren't there? Life is busy. Got loads to do. You know, I find people difficult sometimes. You know, relationships don't always go as you want. There are all sorts of reasons not to. But if you don't plug in, you'll miss out. You'll miss out on the blessings that God has for you. So get plugged in. That's why I love this place. I love Alpha. Stephen said I've been running Alpha here for a number of years. I love it. 
I was working out, I've done 26 Alpha courses here. And I love every single one of them. But you know what happens? Every single one, when I start, I look around the group on the first night and go, oh, this one's not going to work. <laughs> I don't imagine these people wanting to get on together. I, d- I can't see it. But you know what happens? Week by week, as people gather together, the Holy Spirit begins to work. And people, the barriers come down. People's lives get changed. I, I, was, um, I got a, a WhatsApp message from a guy in my group who's just finished the last course. Uh, his name is Ali. Ali is a friend of my friend Will. And Will was his boss, in fact. Will invited him to Alpha six times in a row. And he said no every single time. So Will said, will you come to Alpha? He said no. In fact, he used to take the mick out of him and say, you know, why do you need that? It's weird. It's not going to come. Next time he asked, no. Next time he asked, six times. And eventually, Ali said, all right, I'll give it a go. He came on the first week, and he loved it. He loved the, the group. Uh, he's not a Christian, uh, but he loved the group, and he carried on through the weeks. He came on the Alpha weekend. On the Alpha weekend, um, I asked if I could pray for him. He said, that would be great. And I, just, I sent a very simple prayer, uh, inviting the Holy Spirit to fill him. Nothing much seemed to happen. Afterwards, he came up to me and he said, that was the most amazing experience I've ever had. I felt peace like I haven't felt in a long time. I felt joy. He was so moved by it that he decided that God was calling him to get in touch with his father who'd been estranged with for for 20 years. He hasn't seen his father for 20 years. He sent him a text. He said, I feel like I want to say I'm sorry and I forgive you waited for four hours. He said it was the longest four hours in his life. But then he got a text back. And his father just simply said, I've been praying that you might forgive me. They are now reconciled. The power of the Holy Spirit in this one guy's life. Ten weeks ago, he never even heard of Jesus. He didn't even know it. And now he's filled with the Spirit and things are beginning to change. That's why I love Alpha. That's why I love my connect group. Uh, we've got a connect group, Jill, my wife and I, and you know it's an amazing thing. I'll be honest, when Tuesday comes round and we're hosting it, I get to just before everyone's arriving and I think, why did we say we'd do this again? I mean, we've got so much going on, we've got a baby, you know, what? don't really want the hassle. But you know what, by the time connect group's finished, every single week I think there is nowhere else I prefer to be. What a great group of people. You know, when my father died a few years ago, it was my connect group that rallied round to support me. When Barney was born, my connect group uh, decided that they would provide meals for two weeks for us, uh, to help us. It's an amazing community. But not just that. When we meet together, Jesus is there by the power of his Holy Spirit. That's why I love the leadership conference. It was an amazing time. People keep saying, well, could you send me something about it? And I think, well, it's not really going to capture it. You just kind of had to be there, which is annoying. I know that's an annoying thing to say. But I, one thing that I was really struck me was this picture I think we've got of, uh, of the Royal Albert Hall. 5,000 people gathered together. And we were praying together for the church and for unity. And there was an amazing image of 5,000 people holding one another's hands and praying And for me, that sums up, when you're there together with people, the Holy Spirit is poured out and something dramatic begins to happen. So get plugged in. Whatever it is for you, can I just encourage you? It's what happens on the day of Pentecost, it's what happens here. Find the place to get plugged in. Now, it's all very well being plugged in, but that doesn't charge your phone. 
The second thing you're going to do is get powered up. Get powered up. You've got to switch the power on. Otherwise, it's useless. And that's what happens here on the day of Pentecost. They gather together and then they are powered, empowered by the Holy Spirit. So verse 2 and 3. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. All of them. The power of God is described in two different ways in this particular passage. Uh, Firstly, wind, and secondly, fire. Now, when you come to faith in Jesus, it's like God breathes his new life into you. The Holy Spirit comes to live in you, and the Holy Spirit never leaves. Once he's there, he's there to stay. The picture, the word here in Hebrew is ruach, It's an onomatopoeia, ruach, just like the wind, the breath of God. And they receive this wind, this sense of the power of God, and it begins to change them. Now, by way of illustration, I've got here a balloon. So if I blow this balloon up, There we go. That balloon is full, isn't it? It's full of air. And you may be thinking, you know what? I'm a Christian. I've got the Holy Spirit living within me. But you know what? It can be more full. That's more full. But you may be thinking, I'm, I feel pretty good at the moment. I feel like you know, my spiritual life is on track. But you know what? It can be more full. You might be thinking, I'm having the best day ever. It's Pentecost. I've had an amazing time of worship. I feel alive in the spirit. You know what? It can be more full. Now, the analogy breaks down slightly because I'm not going to carry on doing it because it might explode and you won't explode. The point is, you can always have more of the Holy Spirit. God is always looking for more opportunities to pour out his spirit. All he's saying is, will you be ready? Are you open? Do you want more? I want to give you more. That is what the Holy Spirit does. And that's what happens on Pentecost. He pours out the Holy Spirit. People experience a new level of filling of the Holy Spirit. You know what, there's a difference, isn't there, between, uh, I think of the, f- the first breath, My, our baby, Barney, was born uh, four months ago, and he, uh, when he came out, he, w- he, didn't, he did not breathe for the first minute, no breathing, and uh, this was the hardest minute in my life, all the staff were like, no, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, I was thinking, no, it's not fine, it's not fine. <laughs> And what they did is they got a little um, tube and they pumped air into his lungs. And then suddenly, after a minute, he went, (gasps) absolutely screamed the house down. But we weren't upset. We were overjoyed. This life, this new life had come. And there was was joy. There was so much excitement. And that's what happens when we come to faith. It's like we're filled with the Holy Spirit. But you know what? We don't just take one breath. We take many breaths. We take millions of breaths. And God is saying, will you breathe in again afresh? Don't take shallow breaths. You know, if you're, if you're ill or something, your, your breath is like, 
But if you're functioning well, you imagine you get to the top of a mountain, you walked up the top and you go, that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do amongst us. He wants to breathe new life in us. When I was 14 years old, I went on um, a sort of Christian activity camp, uh, which if, if you were grown up in, in the church, you'll know what I mean. If you're not a Christian, you might think, what <laughs> that sounds really weird. But what we did was we used to, um, one of the things is the groups used to pray for each other. And I was 12, uh, actually I was 12 years old and I was in the between ages which is a terrible name for a group. Uh, the teenagers were started at 13. I was 12, so I was in the between ages. And the teenagers had this chance to pray for one another to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I'd never even heard of this. But they came out of the meeting and they all go, it's amazing. I feel like my faith has come alive. Lord, this amazing stuff had happened. I had such FOMO. I was like, why am I not in the teenagers? Why am I in the stupid between ages where we don't do anything other than coloring beards of Moses and that sort of thing? I thought, I want to be in that group. Maybe you feel like that. You heard stories of people being filled with the Holy Spirit and you're like, I want to be part of that. Well, what happened was uh, like the following night, I was miserable. Um, partly because of that and partly because um, an 11-year-old girl who I really liked, I tried to hold her hand and she took her hand away and that was the end of that. I was <laughs> absolutely gutted about that. So there were a couple of things going on. But anyway, I, I, was, I was desperately sad. And this leader came up to me and said, what's going on? And I said, well, I heard about all this stuff about the Holy Spirit, but it's obviously not for me. And I'm not in the teenagers and it's, everything's terrible. And he said, can I pray for you? And I said, yeah. And he prayed for me, put a hand on my shoulder. And he prayed this very simple prayer. But he said, Lord, I pray you'd show Toby that you love him. Not that you love everyone. He knows that. But that you love him. And at that moment, I just felt this incredible sense of love. Like God's love for me. Not for everyone else, but me. And as I, I, I sense, sense this peace, like all the weight of the world dropping off my shoulders. And I then felt this joy. It's like bubbling up from inside me. And I was so happy. I started laughing. It was very strange. And I'd never had that before. And as I started laughing, I just I had this huge grin on my face. And I said, I feel like I want to go and jump in a swimming pool or something. And my leader said, go on then. So I said, okay. And there was, happened to be a swimming pool there, which is handy. Uh, and I jumped into this pool fully clothed. And I came out and I just felt like a new person. It was like sort of some baptism, I suppose. I mean, I'd, it was amazing. And that totally changed my perspective on God. You know, up until then, I thought, I've been working really hard as a really good Christian boy. I've been doing the best that I possibly can. You better be pretty proud of me, God. Uh, I was a slave. But when I was filled with the Holy Spirit, it was like, I'm a son. I don't have to do anything. You just love me because you love me because you love me. You love me. And that is the experience of the Holy Spirit. You know, Paul says in Romans, he says, the love of God is poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he's given us. That's what God wants to do today. He wants to remind you that he loves you. So we've got the picture of wind. We've also got the picture of fire. And uh, it says, interestingly, on this, in this passage, it says that not only was there this wind, but there was this fire. That the fire, it says fire, the tongues of fire separated and came to rest on each of them. It's interesting, isn't it? In the Old Testament, fire was in one place. It symbolized God's presence, his power, the burning bush, the pillar of fire. One place, one particular person, Moses. Here you might expect that Peter, the head of the church, would get this amazing anointing of the Holy Spirit. But no, 
separated and came to rest on every single one of them. Every single one of the 120 people received the fire of God, the passion of God, the power of God, the purity of God in their own hearts. And you know what? The Holy Spirit fills us, not just for ourselves, but for other people. And what begins to happen there is something stirs in them that they say, this is not about the 120 of us, this is about the whole world. Now, because it's my last sermon, and I have never been able to do this before, I thought, we a better opportunity to use the illustration of a flamethrower. So here we go. Uh, so this I borrowed off our head verger, Hilton, who's a great South African, who claims he uses it for killing weeds, but I reckon he uses it on his barbecue. Anyway. So there you go. There's a flame. When you come to faith in Jesus, it's like the Holy Spirit comes to live in you. This flame is there forever. It never goes out. But you know what happens on the day of Pentecost? It's like the power of the Holy Spirit suddenly sends a wave of energy and power. And what you see is some serious power. Maybe you're thinking, you know, my, you know what? My life is just like at the mo- this at the moment. You know what? God wants to do more than that. He's not content. He wants to give you a huge injection of power. Not just for you, but for the world. You know what flames do is they set other things alight. God is not content for this just to be in the church. God wants this to be out in the world. He wants to bring life and change, transformation to the world. This is the power of the Holy Spirit. God wants to set you alight with the power of his Holy Spirit. And before the smoke alarm goes off. (laughs) Can I give that to you, Ben? So, what are we supposed to do? How do we respond? Well, you know what? This isn't just for special people. This is for everyone because you are special. And I want to encourage you today to open your heart to him again. Say, Lord, would you fill me like you did at Pentecost? Would you fill me with the power of the Holy Spirit? You know, interestingly, in this passage, there are no exclusions. The wind of the Spirit filled the whole room. That's everyone. Tongues of fire rested on everyone. That's that, each of them. That's everyone. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. That's everyone. God says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. That's everyone. Regardless of gender, your sons and daughters will prophesy. Young men will see visions. Old men will dream dreams, regardless of age. The promises for you and for your children are for all those who are far off. Not just then, but now. Not just there, but here. Right here today. And... As we do that, as we open ourselves to him, all we have to do is ask. That's it. He says, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What do you do with the gift? You just receive it. Jesus says, ask and you will receive. It's a promise. If you ask for the Holy Spirit, you will receive him today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Shall we stand? <laughs>